Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, November 21st, 2018. Broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, I will give you picks picks for Week 12 in the NFL, as well as my DraftKings gotta have them play for Sunday slate. I also have some thoughts on the Tiger Woods-Phil Mickelson one-on-one showdown, which will be taking place Friday in Las Vegas. You can watch that on pay-per-view. But first, I'm going to open the show with a couple thoughts and some things I need to get off my chest regarding Boston Celtics backup point guard Terry Rozier. And yeah, I do stress the word backup when I say backup point guard Terry Rozier. All of it presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK. P-I-C at DraftKings. You can draft a new team every week with no season-long commitments. And I'm on to week 12 in the NFL. You should be too. So sign up right now for the $1.1 million play action contest for Sunday's week 12 slate. $1.1 million in total prizes with $100,000 going to first place. It's easy. Just pick your team, follow the action live on your DraftKings app, and again, play in this contest for free by signing up using promo code PICK, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. And I will give you a much better DraftKings gotta have them play for Sunday Slate for this contest that I just told you to sign up for and play for free in. Last week, I gave you Zach Ertz of the Philadelphia Eagles, and he was no good. He only got you three DFS points. I promise to be much better than three DFS points this week with my DraftKings gotta have them play, so stick around for that. Today's show is also presented by BetOnline. Sign up today at betonline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% welcome bonus with college football, the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL all underway. Now is the time to make your online wages at betonline.ag and take full advantage of the best bonuses in the business. You can even put money down right now on Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson. Tiger Woods is the favorite at minus 190. Mickelson, the underdog, at plus 165. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. BetOnline.ag. Welcome to the show on this Thanksgiving Wednesday. Thanksgiving's on Thursday, as you know, and that's why I'm here on a Wednesday. I'm not going to come in here on Thanksgiving Thursday and record a podcast. So I'm in here a day earlier than usual, but this is the time of year that we all sit back and think about the things that we're thankful for, the things that we're grateful for, especially on this week, Thanksgiving week. And so before I do begin, I do want to say to my audience that as I sit back and think of the things that I'm thankful for and I'm grateful for, one of the things on the top of that list is my audience, the people who continue to come back and listen to the show, the people who continuously download this show and stay subscribed to this show. If not for my audience, which continues to grow, then um, this would be a lot more difficult for me to come in here each and every week and produce content because, you know, I'm at the stage of my career right now where obviously I've expressed on this show and on social media the things that I've been overlooked for, the opportunities that I've been overlooked for, the opportunities that I want that I've been overlooked for, to, to get more specific. And so um, sometimes, you know, it is more difficult than other times to actually 
go all in on this because of those opportunities that I want that I've been overlooked for. But I tell you what makes it easier. It's my audience. It's the people that continue to download this show and continue to listen to this show. And for you, my audience of the Danny Picard Show, I am grateful this week. I am thankful this week. And not just this week, but really every week and every day and every month and every year. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. And the one thing I don't want to be overlooked is the fact that I am extremely thankful and grateful for my audience because they are a loyal audience. A lot more loyal than maybe some other people in the business might want you to believe when it comes to my numbers for this show. But, um, you know, I I just want to say thanks. That's all. Nothing else. Thank you for listening. Keep listening. Keep subscribing. I'll be here 2019 and hopefully beyond that. (laughs) Hopefully beyond 2019. But we'll certainly see what happens. I'm here in 2018 and I'm here in Thanksgiving week. And that's all you really need to know. And right now, I'm going to begin just to get a couple things off my chest with Terry Rozier, as I told you in the open. The Celtics backup point guard. Terry Rozier. What is going on with Terry Rozier? And maybe the question we should be asking is, what's going on with the Boston Celtics? The Celtics right now. If you look at the Eastern Conference standings, the Celtics are 9-8. and eight. That's right. One game above 500. Thanksgiving week. Nine and eight. Nine wins, eight losses. They are the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. The teams that are ahead of them, Detroit, the five seed. Philadelphia, the fourth seed. Indiana, the three seed. Milwaukee, the two seed. And the Toronto Raptors, the one seed with a 14 and four record. The Raptors with the most wins in the Eastern Conference. And uh, actually the Raptors with the most wins in all of the NBA. That's right. Even more than Golden State. It was 12 wins. It's funny. You look at the Western Conference. The first thing you look for, actually, is where the Lakers are, right? You want to see where LeBron is. You want to see where the Lakers are. They're the eighth seed in the West at 9-7. and seven. Then you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Golden State's not the one seed? Nope, that's Portland. Portland's 12-5 and five is the one seed. Memphis is the two seed. That's right. The Memphis Grizzlies are the two seed at 11-5, and five, and Golden State is a three seed at 12-6. and six. Steph Curry's injured. They've had some stuff going on there. They got some injuries. Golden State's going to be just fine. Golden State will end up being the one seed in the West. They have to be. They're just way too talented. You know, when they get completely healthy and they all get on the same page, which they will all get on the same page. I know you had the Draymond Green, Kevin Durant situation, but as I told you, right after that situation, they will all get on the same page this season, and they will be the one seed in the West. But for the East and the Celtics, Celtics are the sixth seed. What is going on with the Boston Celtics? I'm not going to spend too much time on all their issues right now, but there's one specific issue that is somewhat alarming to me, and I'm trying to figure out what that issue actually is, but it stems from a cryptic tweet that Terry Rozier made Tuesday, yesterday, on Tuesday of this week, earlier this week, a day after the Celtics lost the game in Charlotte against the Hornets, It was the Celtics' second straight loss. They lost at home to Utah. Then they go to Charlotte. They lose to the Hornets. Celtics, like I told you, a 9-8 and record. There's There's obviously some growing pains right now with regards to, you know, adding Gordon Haywood into the mix and even reinserting Kyrie Irving, right? And that's not to say that Kyrie Irving is trying to maybe rediscover his game. As we've seen, Kyrie has taken this team on his back a couple times already this year. With, with a couple big wins. So Kyrie Irving, to me, is still the same dominant point guard. It's just that once you reinsert him into the lineup and then once you add Gordon Haywood to the mix, 
you know, maybe there's some guys trying to figure out their role that might be or might have been, you know, different last year and might be different this year, like uh, Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum or even a Terry Rozier. And so the Celtics have a 9-8 and eight record. There's obviously some issues. But Terry Rozier maybe is trying to tell us what the issue is. He sent a tweet out a day after this loss to Charlotte. He sent it out on Tuesday. They lose to Charlotte Monday night. Tuesday, they have an off-day practice session. And Rozier at 9.41 a.m. What time do the Celtics practice at? Is my question. It's like 10.30, 11? You know, you get in from Charlotte probably a little late on Monday night after that loss. And then when, what do you show up? You show up at like, you show up at 8.39? Practice at 10 or 11. I assume that's what it is. I don't have the Celtic schedule this week on me. The practice schedule. But at 9.41 a.m., I'm assuming Terry Rozier is already at the facility. I don't know this for sure. I'm just assuming it. 9.41 a.m. on Tuesday. Terry Rozier tweets, Let's do us all a favor. End quote. Here's the tweet. Let's do us all a favor. The word all is in caps, all caps. Let's do us all a favor. You you try to, you always read tweets like this and you try to guess their tone, right? You try to guess their tone. Like if I was tweeting, let's do us all a favor, the tone to that tweet as I said it would be, let's do us all a favor. But something comes after that, right? Like, all right, let's do us all a favor and then do what? Like, so, for example, if I'm Terry Rozier, you know, I'm probably tweeting this out and I'm thinking to myself, let's do us all a favor and let's make a trade. Let's do us all a favor, right? Let's do us all a solid. Something's going on. So let's do us all a favor. Let's make a trade. Now, again, that's that's just, I'm, I'm using that as an example. I don't know that that's what he meant. But if you had to take a guess as to what Terry Rozier meant, you would think that it's one, Celtics-related, and two, you would think that it has something to do with him, right? He says, let's do us all a favor. Put in the word all in caps. It's Celtics-related, and it has something to do specifically with him. So what is he talking about exactly? Well, that tweet was at 9.41 a.m. An hour later, at 10.44 a.m., Terry Rosier tweets, I forgot y'all get happy feet. I wasn't talking about me. Chill with the bad talk. End quote. Again, an hour later, he tweets, I forgot y'all get happy feet. I wasn't talking about me. Chill with the bad talk. He adds an emoji. Uh, the, the crying in laughter emoji. Like he's laughing so hard he's crying. Now, he's clearly trying to cover his ass. So I don't know... If Terry Rozier showed up at practice maybe a half hour after he tweeted this, maybe he tweeted it from home, shows up to the facility, and the Celtics say, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, all right, let's say you feel a certain way. Do you have to tweet it out? Delete, like, do something with that tweet right now. Clarify something. Because now everybody's going to show up here being all over us. And they're going to want to talk to you about it. So... You know, Rosia tweets the initial, let's do us all a favor. And then an hour later, he shows up to the facility and he, and he, and he tweets, 
I forgot, y'all get happy feet. I wasn't talking about me. Chill with the bad talk. End quote. Well, I don't know when, I don't know where he was when he tweeted. I guess I, we don't actually know if he was talking about the Celtics, but I'm going to say it's a pretty good guess that he was, one, talking about the Celtics, and two, talking about himself. So then when he clarifies the tweet now or later, saying he wasn't talking about him, he's lying. He's trying to cover up a tweet that he shouldn't have sent out in the first place. His emotions got the best of him. He's upset with something, and he wants something to happen that does not just the team a favor, but also does him a favor. Let's do us all a favor. When, we're try- when I'm trying to get to the bottom of today is what, is he- what else does he mean to say? Let's do us all a favor, and then what? Well, Terry Rozier then talked to the media. Was this after the practice, before the practice? It was at the practice facility. Maybe it was during the practice. I don't know. He talked to the media, and here's what he said. Quote, y'all know I got love for y'all. I've got love for the fans. But it wasn't nothing on that. We're going to look to come out and play better on Wednesday and make sure everybody's happy. End quote. The first thing that jumps out to me there after reading his tweets is the end in which he says, we're going to look to come out and play better on Wednesday and make sure everybody's happy and make sure everybody's happy. So if you really dig into this, Terry Rozier is saying that there's an issue with the Celtics It does have to do with him specifically putting the word all in caps and that not everybody is happy right now on the team. So is he trying to just tell us that he's not happy? Here's why I think Terry Rosie is not happy because it wasn't too long ago. Was it last week or the week before? There was a report out there that said Terry Rosier is unhappy with his playing time. So we already have heard that Rosier is unhappy. And what I told you about after that report came out on this show, I said, you know what? He probably is unhappy. His minutes are down. He wants to get paid next summer. And if your minutes are down this season before you could get paid, who would be happy with that? Especially knowing that you were a crucial part of a team last year that went to the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Haywood. We Look, I get it. Terry Rozier is not Kyrie Irving. Terry Rozier is not Gordon Haywood. In my opinion, when you talk about the value to the Celtics team, Terry Rozier is not Marcus Smart. Rozier is certainly, though, somebody that in his own mind is is looking at himself in the mirror going, I want to be a starting point guard. One. Two, I want to get paid like a starting point guard. If my minutes are going down the season before I can get paid, then this isn't good for me. This isn't good for me. So when that report came out not too long ago that he was unhappy with his playing time, I'm thinking to myself, well, I just think that's human nature. Of course he's unhappy. And if the Celtics didn't see this coming, then, then I mean, they are just oblivious to human nature. Like, I, I don't understand how you couldn't see something like this happening when you reinsert Kyrie Irving, when you bring in Gordon Haywood off of that injury, which he suffered in game one last year, Right? I mean, I don't know how you couldn't see something like this happening. 
Whether it's growing pains with, with other guys and putting a different lineup together and, and giving that time to work out, or, or whether it's just somebody who has to now take less of a role because you have better players rejoining, rejoining the team. Like, how could you not see this happening? I told you in the offseason, if somebody wanted to trade for Terry Rozier, I was not picking up, I mean, I was not hanging up the phone. And in fact, I might even pick up the phone and try to try to move him and sell him high. Because you know the minutes are going to decrease. So you know next year at the deadline or this year at the deadline, the trade value is not increasing when his minutes are decreased. Especially if he's running around talking about how unhappy he is. Which I believe the report that he's unhappy because I just think that's realistic. It's human nature. And now, after we have that report, you know, after a couple tough losses and you look at his minutes... He played 19 minutes in that loss against Charlotte. And the morning afterwards, he's tweeting, let's do us all a favor. Then he has the tweet that obviously was sent after he showed up to to the facility or somebody at the facility in the Celtics organization said to him, what the hell are you doing? But then he talked to the media and he said, well, we're going to look to come out, play better, and make sure everybody's happy. (laughs) So he's saying that, In all this, somebody's not happy. So who's not happy? Again, the obvious one here is that it's Rosier, and that Rosier's not happy. Is it Gordon Haywood? I mean, if you wanted to get away from that and maybe look at this with a more open mind, who else could it be? Is it Gordon Haywood? He was moved to the bench on Monday night against the Hornets, but I just feel like his relationship with Brad Stevens... Eh, I don't. I, I feel like they would have talked about this before that move was made, right? I don't. I don't think it's Gordon Haywood. I don't think Gordon Haywood's the one unhappy, even though he was moved to the bench. And I don't even know if that move to the bench is is permanent. Probably isn't. Is it Jalen Brown that's unhappy? He played 19 minutes. He started on Monday night against Charlotte, but he only played 19 minutes. Wasn't. Really in foul trouble, only had two fouls in the night. Ten points. You know, is Jalen Brown somebody that was on that team last year, helped them to the East Finals, looking at that going, wait wait a minute, why am I in the starting lineup playing 19 minutes? Gordon Haywood's coming off the bench, and he plays 31. Gordon Haywood wasn't on this team last year when we went to the East Finals. Well, he was on the team, but he wasn't on the court. So maybe it's Jalen Brown. You know? It... So when I do break it down, I'm going to rule Haywood out. I don't think Haywood's the one that's unhappy. You can make that assumption seeing that he was moved to the bench, but I mean, he played 31 minutes. If you did want to use that logic, you could look at it and go, well, maybe Jalen Brown's unhappy that he's in the starting lineup and only plays 19 minutes. It's either Jalen Brown or Terry Rozier. They both played 19 minutes Monday night against Charlotte. One of those two guys is unhappy. Terry Rozier is telling us that. He's basically telling us that. And, you know, if you put a gun to my head, I'm still saying it's Rozier. I'm still thinking that Rozier is talking about himself, and I'm saying that I'm thinking Rozier, the tweet on Tuesday where he says, let's do us all a favor, I feel like he wanted to follow that up with, let's do us all a favor and trade me right now. Because I'm not happy. 
Like, I feel like that's what he really wanted to tweet. When I break it all down, that's what I get out of this. That Terry Rosier is unhappy. He's got to be. And um, my advice to the Celtics would be, listen to him. Trade him. Trade him right now. That would be my advice. I, I mean, don't talk about trade value and like this is the lowest it could be. You had to have seen this coming. And, and some people might say, well, you know what? You got to keep him around. What happens if Kyrie gets hurt again? Or, or you know, you're going to want that depth when you get to the playoffs. It's like, well, I mean, if this kid's going to be going to be acting up, then what's more important? Clearly, they got issues. You know, the last thing that Brad Stevens needs to do right now is try to succumb to the pressures of Terry Rozier basically saying, oh, make me happy. You got to make me happy. Oh, you trade me now. Who is Terry Rozier to be making any type of even hints that he wants to be traded? He's a backup point guard. Terry Rozier is a backup point guard. And I know he can try to clarify tweets all he wants by saying, oh, I'm not talking about me. You guys, what are you talking? You guys love the bad talk. Come on, Terry. We're not idiots. You want out. You're unhappy. But somebody's unhappy and somebody wants something to change. There have been reports that you're unhappy. I think when you do look at this realistically, at least from the outside looking in, you know, there might be one too many guys that either want to play 25, 30 minutes a game or want the ball at all times. And, you know, we are now in a league where these superstars come together and those situations can be fixed. I get that. Just look at the Golden State Warriors. And how many guys on Golden State want the ball at all times? How many guys on Golden State, you know, want, want those minutes? I get it. It can work out. But I think the reason it works out is because you don't have guys on nights where they don't get the minutes, on nights where they don't get the ball. You don't have guys tweeting about it or complaining about it. And you don't have reports leaking out that this guy's unhappy, that guy's unhappy. You give it time. I don't think Terry Rozier wants to give this time. I think he's being clear without actually saying the words, trade me now. I think he's being as clear as he could be in a cryptic way. Terry Rozier wants to be traded right now. And if I'm the Celtics, I trade him. See ya. Like, goodbye. We'll trade you right now. Who is Terry Rozier? He's a backup point guard. And in my opinion, when it comes to the value of of the Celtics' backcourt, and the gods that they have, Rosia's behind Marcus Smart. So, if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm, I'm on the phone today. I'm like, you know, what can we get? What can we get? <laughs> if I'm the Celtics, if I'm Danny Ainge, I talk to Brad Stevens, I say, hey, put Terry Rosier in the starting lineup tonight. Give him 30 minutes. Tell the guy, give him the ball. Let him score. And then we'll call a team tomorrow. Say, see what you got? can have him right now. You know, I, I mean, the Celtics at the same time, your beggars can't be choosers. I mean, I mean, they had an opportunity to move him this past offseason, did they not? And, and you could have sold him at his highest trade value that he would ever have under this current contract. Because as, con- as you lose years on a contract, you don't get any more trade value. You don't gain an increased trade value on a guy. Especially when you have to envision what is going to take place with the Celtics when you get Kyrie and Haywood back in the mix. Someone like Terry Rozier is a guy that's going to take a hit in minutes. His production's going to take a hit. 
And I think as an organization, you have to try to, you know, gauge uh, something with him and, and, and wonder, is he going to accept this? Like, is he going to be okay with this? Maybe even have a talk with him. And um, I don't know. I just, and I told him in the offseason, I, I, I would have considered moving him. His tra- Terry Rosier's trade value was never getting higher than this past offseason. And now he obviously wants out, right? And I say obviously, and I know that's my opinion, but it's either him or Jalen Brown. It's, it's either, right now, it's either, he's, Terry Rozier is talking about either him or Jalen Brown. But I think he's talking about himself because it does go back to the report that we heard recently that Terry Rozier is unhappy with his, own, with his minutes. Rozier's unhappy. He wants to get traded. And then from the Celtics, I'm saying, we dropped the ball this past offseason not moving him at his highest trade value. So let's just do it right now. He's a backup point guard. We're not going li- to, we have a team full of all stars here. We are not going to listen to Terry Rozier go to Twitter and making trade demands. Oh, let's do us all a favor. You know what? We will do us all a favor. Where would you like to go? Where would you like to go? You want to go to the last place Phoenix Suns? Is that what you want? Is that what you'd like to do? Okay. See ya. You can't, you can't let Rosia start running the show. Like, the last thing Brad Stevens should have to worry about is what his backup point guard is tweeting about a day after a loss to the Charlotte fucking Hornets. See ya. Goodbye. And you know what? Let's say he's not talking about himself. What are you tweeting about it for? See ya. I'm saying see ya on that one too. You're right. Let's do us all a favor. And let's stop talking about the backup point guard talking about wanting to get out of town because he's not playing enough minutes. That's what this is all about. We're not idiots, Terry. You can try to clarify the second tweet an hour later all you want. Rosia should be traded, and he should be traded right now. Okay? Because I don't want to have to jump on this show another time this season talking about how a backup point guard, who really is third string in my opinion, complaining about minutes, hinting in a cryptic tweet that he wants to get, you know, that, that changes need to be made. You're a backup point guard. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Let the coach handle this. Let Danny Ainge handle this. Let Kyrie Irving handle this. Al Horford. Even Gordon Haywood, he's been in the league eight or nine years. Come on. I don't want to have to come to the show again and talk about what a backup point guard's tweeting about in a cryptic manner. I don't want to do it. The Celtics, they, they have bigger issues. They're nine and eight. Nobody else in the organization needs to listen to this either. So shut up. Terry Rozier, he wants out. If that's what he's implying, if I'm Danny Ainge, see ya. Goodbye. Celtics will be fine. The Boston Celtics will be just fine without Terry Rozier. Okay? They'll be just fine. That is a guaranteed. That's a stone-cold guarantee. That's guaranteed. The Celtics will be just fine without Terry Rozier. And I, you know, I'm getting a little worked up on it right now. So let's move on. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you want to call Washington. The Wizards. They got both John Wall and Bradley Beal available in a trade. Though, some of the stories coming out of the Wizards organization... Some was it John Wall who told the coach to go fuck himself? <laughs> he said, "Fuck you!" At practice, the coach 
uh, wanted them to to step their game up and, you know, show a little more effort. And John Wall said, fuck you. <laughs> That's not a guy you want to bring to the Celtics. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they're selling another piece, a depth piece that you could use. Right? Maybe there's a three-team deal that you could swing with that one. Maybe. Um, one more NBA story, actually, and and it's crazy. The Markel Fultz stuff is unbelievable. You can't make the Markel Fultz story up. You can't make it up. I don't even know what's true and what's not true, but the latest on Markel Fultz, Philadelphia 76's point guard, you know, the number one pick in the draft last year, um, going into the 2017 season, Fultz... His attorney has told Fultz's attorney told him to leave the team and go see a shoulder specialist, and he's doing it. Fultz is leaving the team to see a shoulder specialist because his attorney told him to. Is his attorney his agent? I don't even know. Like, what is here's what I always come back to with Fultz. And you you saw him at Washington. He was a nice player. Go back and look at some highlights of him. On YouTube. Fultz was the real deal. He could drive. He could shoot. He could dribble. You know, he was a bigger point guard. He wasn't one of these little point guards. And, uh, I mean, he had he had everything, really. And then he gets to the NBA and he, he forgets how to shoot. But they, they were tweaking with his, with his mechanics, with the mechanics of his shot. And I don't know why. Like, that's what I can never get back to understanding. Why would anybody even tell him to tweak the mechanics of his shot? Don't tell me he did it on his own. He did it on his own? Really? There's no way. There is some asshole who thinks they know everything who advised Fultz to do this. You know that? I will I will go to the grave on that one. There's no way Fultz woke up after being the number one pick one day and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change the mechanics of my shot. That didn't happen. Somebody advised him to do it. Somebody that he respects and admires and probably promised him, you know, a ton of money. And they, they messed with him to the point where now he can't shoot and now he has to listen to an attorney to go see a shoulder specialist. You know, we've wondered is his... Is he injured? You know, did he have fluid drain? Like, what's the story with his shoulders? Can he even lift his arms up? Is that why he changed his motion? He should have never even thought about changing his motion, shot motion, or mechanics in the first place. And we probably wouldn't even be here. But don't tell me that Markel Fultz is the one who decided originally to change his own shooting mechanics. There's no way. Somebody... Some person in the basketball world that thought they knew everything, that they were a basketball genius, said to him, oh, you think you're good now? Here's what we'll watch what we do with this. Now you'll be unstoppable. Now you'll be Steph Curry good. Right? You'll be getting those big bucks. Guaranteed. Why don't you do this? Then it becomes a head game. Then you, know, then you it's between the ears at that point. Like... So that's why, that's why I'll never understand it. But somebody did, somebody told him to change his mechanics and now he is just, it's probably when it comes to just the, the mental part of it, point of no return for this kid. And I feel 
so bad for him because there is no way he did, he walked into a gym one day after being picked number one overall. There is no way Markel Fultz walked into a gym, picked up a basketball, and said, you know what, I'm going to start shooting different. There's no way. Somebody advised him. Some complete asshole that I hope feels terrible about himself for the rest of his life because he ruined this kid's career. It's unfortunate. But don't try to sell me on the fact that Fultz did this to himself. Somebody told him. Somebody that he looked up to, an advisor, one of these weasels that's involved, you know, the whole college basketball top prospect, you know, college is paying for plays. One of these absolute weasels that thought he knew everything, decided to advise Fultz and his shot mechanics and said, yeah, you're good. You're a number one pick, but you need to take it to the next level. You want to know how to do it? Watch this. And that's what, and I'm convinced that's what happened. There's no way he walked into a gym and decided to change that on his own. There's no way. And now he's listening to his fucking attorney to go, (laughs) to go see his shoulder specialist. And it's like, whoa, whoa. Might be point and overturn for him. Just might be. So uh, that's what you got in the NBA. Those are my NBA thoughts of the day. And then my quick golf thoughts of the day of the week and probably my final golf thoughts for the rest of the year. Unless something crazy happens in this Tiger Woods-Phil Mickelson one-on-one showdown on Friday that makes me want to react to it next week on Monday's podcast. But probably not. To be honest with you, I don't even know if I'm going to watch this. I don't, like, and when this news first broke, I actually was excited for it. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, can't wait to see this. But then, like, more details came out. All right, here are the details. It's a winner-take-all, $9 million on the line. They'll have a few side bets along the way. Both golfers will be mic'd up. It's taking place at Shadow Creek Golf Club in Las Vegas. Tee off is 3 p.m. Eastern time. Those are the tee times. 3 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. That's when they'll tee off. It'll be match play. It'll be on pay-per-view on Bleacher Report Live. But you have to pay 20 bucks Now, if you want to watch it in stunning 4K HDR, you can do so on DirecTV for $30. I mean, here's, here's the problem. One, when I watch golf, it's usually on Sunday. It's usually like we know who's in the hunt. We know there could be some drama. Um, and also, I love the reaction of the crowd. We found out that this event is going to be closed to the general public. Now, I do think there'll be people in attendance to the point where it's not just going to be an empty golf course. Like, sponsors, I'm, I'm sure, have a certain amount of um, internal tickets and, and, and private club tickets that they're going to be dishing out. There will be people in attendance. I just don't know that it's going to be this rowdy audience that we're used to now seeing at these golf events, especially when there's something big on the line, you know, late on a Sunday. But, but as more of these details came out, the more I'm like, and it's the, the closer we get to this on Friday, Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson, the match, the closer we get, the less interested I've become. And, you know, maybe I'm not, the, 
I'm not a diehard golf fan. Again, I'll pay attention to the big tournaments. Um, you know, the, the big names. I will watch on Sunday if it is, you know, close and it's competitive and it has the potential to be entertaining. So maybe I don't speak. Maybe I shouldn't speak for, for golf fans all over the world. I'll just speak for myself. The closer we get to the, to the match on Friday, the less interested I become. To the point where I don't even know. I cannot sit here and guarantee to you that I am going to even watch this. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know. 20 bucks? One, you want me to go find the Bleacher Report live app? Like, what else am I, am I going to do with that app? Anything? What, like, I don't work for Bleacher Report. They don't, they won't hire me. So what else am I going to do with that app? I'm going to pay 20 bucks. 20 bucks to watch what? To watch what? Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson? I mean, there's going to be side bets. Okay. But I, why do I have this feeling like it's going to be an event? Yeah, there's 9 million on the line. <laughs> but I just have this feeling like they're just going to be slapping each other's ass the whole time. Like, I don't know. How competitive is this actually going to get? And for all we know, it's over by like the fifth hole. Like Tiger's running away with it. Or, or Tiger's having a terrible day and Phil's running away with it. Like, I, am I going to pay $20 for that? Am I interested enough to pay $20 for that? I, I, actually, I can't guarantee you that I will be. Now, maybe Friday morning I wake up, day after Thanksgiving, and maybe I, I don't want to move all day and, and I need something to watch. And uh, I change my mind and I pay for it. But I'm not going to lie. If I'm sitting on the couch like that, I'm, I might probably lean towards playing Madden 19 or NHL 19. Like, I'm, I'm probably leaning towards doing that before watching this. But I do enjoy video games more than golf. So, um, again, I can't speak for everybody. Not to say I don't like golf, I do, and I do play. But I'm just speaking for myself when I tell you that I'm not really that jacked up about it. I'm really not. I'm not jacked up about it. And if I'm not jacked up about it, why would I hand over 20 bucks? Why would I do that? I'm not putting money on it. Tiger Woods, a favorite, minus 190. Phil Mickelson, the underdog, at plus 165 at the time that I'm recording this on Wednesday. But I mean... If I'm not interested, why would I pay 20 bucks? So I can't guarantee you that I'm going to watch it. So I can't guarantee any type of reaction to it on Monday. And even if, even if I do pay to watch it, I can't guarantee a reaction to it on Monday anyways. Monday's a big day to react to what? The National Football League. And uh, that's why right now I will move in to the NFL. That is the biggest story. It is week 12. And it is the last week of buys this season for the NFL. Two teams have a bye. The Kansas City Chiefs and the L.A. Rams. And it's funny that these are the two teams with a bye because they are coming off, in my opinion, the most exciting Monday night football game that I've seen in a long time. If you're complaining about that one because it was too high scoring and there wasn't any defense played, then I just think you are looking for things to complain about. I jumped on Twitter in the first half of this game, maybe like, 
middle to late second quarter. And I, I wanted to just jump on Twitter and express how exciting this game was on Monday night between Kansas City and the Rams in L.A. High scoring, not much defense, but you got two prolific offenses going head-to-head. Top team in the NFC or one of the top teams in the NFC against one of the top teams in the AFC, right? And they are just exchanging blows. No defense, but haymaker after haymaker, and they're both connecting, and it is a slugfest. And I wanted to jump on Twitter and go, I love what I'm seeing right now. This is highly entertaining. And yet all I saw were complaints. But isn't that Twitter? Just people complaining. People bitching. People responding to something that's an innocent tweet with some type of just negative, awful reaction to the point where, hey, buddy, you missed the positive part of my previous tweet that you're replying to. But you chose to ignore the positive part. Because you're a negative asshole who's got nothing better to do than find a reason to complain on Twitter. If you're complaining about that game Monday night, you were looking for something to complain about. The Rams beat the Chiefs 54-51. Oh, maybe, you know what? Maybe you took the under. If you took the under, I could see how you could be miserable and just want to complain about shit about the game. Yeah, all right. But if you didn't have a horse in the race from a betting perspective or even from just a, a, you know, being a fan and you're a fan of another team, you're not a fan of either of these two teams, whatever. I mean, if you didn't have a horse in any of those races, how did you not love what you saw? And I mean, look, the end result, being a Patriots fan, on top of what we saw in that game, I obviously also loved the end result, which was the Rams beating the Chiefs. And I'll, I'll get to why I love that in just a moment. But just if you were complaining about this game on Monday night, you either had the under, in which I can understand, or you're just looking for things to complain about and you're a miserable asshole. That's basically what it comes down to. But I loved every second of it. I thought it was highly entertaining. And uh, I, look, I don't think it's... Not every game's going to be like that. I don't think the playoffs are going to be like that. You see New Orleans putting up big points. Right, you see Kansas City and the Rams always putting up big points. And, and I know some people, look, the, the hot take going into the playoffs is going to be, can Team X and Team Y, can they, can they win a shootout against Kansas City? Can they win a shootout against the Rams? Can they win a shootout against New Orleans? Well, what if one of those other teams, Team X, Team Y, can play a little more defense? than we saw in those games. I think it's possible. I do. I think it's possible. But um, there was no defense on Monday night. And I thought it was highly entertaining. So those two teams now, they get a week to ice up, rest up. Kansas City and the Rams, they are the only two teams with a bye. And it is the last week that we will see an NFL team have a bye in this regular season. Week 12 will begin as we usually see on Thanksgiving Thursday with three games. They're all NFC games. It's a 12-30 game in Detroit. Chicago is in Detroit. The Bears are a three-point favorite in Detroit. Then you got the 4-30 game, which is in Dallas. Washington goes to Dallas. The Cowboys are a seven-point favorite. Washington, obviously, without Alex Smith, who's out for the season with that brutal leg injury. They will go to Colt McCoy. Dallas a seven-point favorite. 
And then the 820 game on NBC is New Orleans, a 13-point favorite hosting the Atlanta Falcons. New Orleans is crushing it right now. Uh, but 13 points is high. It is high. So uh, I'd watch out for the points on that one. But you're an adult. You can make your own decisions. Those out of three games on Thanksgiving. Detroit hosting Chicago. Dallas hosting Washington. And New Orleans hosting Atlanta. Then the Sunday night football game of the week on NBC will be Minnesota again. Uh, Minnesota for the second straight week in this Sunday night football game. They lost to Chicago this past Sunday night. Minnesota this week, this Sunday night, will host Green Bay. Both teams are coming off a loss in primetime. I just told you Minnesota lost to Chicago last Sunday night, and Green Bay lost on Thursday night football to the Seattle Seahawks. In this one, Minnesota is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home, so that's the Sunday night football game of the week on NBC. And then Week 12 will end on Monday night football with the Houston Texans hosting the Tennessee Titans and uh, waiting to see what's up with Marcus Mariota before we really dig into a spread on this. I think it's going to be around six. I think Houston will be around a maybe five, six-point favorite. Uh, this game is in Houston as they host the Tennessee Titans on Monday night football. And then here in New England, we will have our eyes on the 7-3 and three Patriots at MetLife Sunday at 1 against the 3-7 and seven Jets. Patriots versus the Jets. And... Uh, a lot of people around here are down on the Patriots. And, I mean, what else is new, right? Like, again, that whole people are looking for something to complain about. What else is new? People are down on the Patriots. They're coming off the bye. They lost to Tennessee the week before that. So, you know, people looking at Tom Brady has only thrown one touchdown in his last three week, last three games. And, you know, you got all these people nationally coming out again questioning is Tom Brady done or is Gronk done? Because obviously Gronk's dealing with the injury. Are the Patriots done because of those things? I mean, locally it's the same stuff, right? Locally it's the same stuff. Uh, so what else is new? But, but, the problem I have with it all, because I, I you know, the way Brady's, Brady hasn't played great last couple of weeks, Gronk has been hurt. I think it's fair maybe to question I think it's fair to question what the offense is going to be moving forward. That's fair to question. But to to go all in on it and and wonder, is this the end of the Patriots? Like, are they not going to finish the season successfully? That's a little over the top. It's a little over the top because, again, they're 7-3. and three. They're in first place in the division. If the playoffs began today, the Patriots would have the three seed at 7-3. and three. They'd be hosting the Baltimore Ravens in the first round. Patriots would win that game. Then they would go to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's the two seed, right? That's the way it looks right now if the playoffs began today. The reason I'm not getting too worked up about the Patriots offense and bringing that argument into, you know, the bigger picture, which is, you know, the Patriots done, is because the Patriots, and I wrote this in my column for the Boston Metro this week, the Patriots still have a shot at the number one seed in the AFC. And, it, and, and the critics will roll their eyes. They'll say, what are you talking about, Danny? Well, I mean, if you want to be realistic and be mathematical about it, because the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the LA Rams on Monday night, 
The Chiefs' record is now 9-2. and two. The Patriots are 7-3. and three. Now, if the Patriots can beat the Jets, which they should Sunday at 1 at MetLife, the Patriots will be 8-3. and three. And with the Chiefs on their bye, heading into Week 13, the Chiefs will be 9-2, and two, and the Patriots should be 8-3, and three, which puts the Patriots one game behind Kansas City. And essentially, that's half a game. If you want to kind of turn this into a, a baseball postseason race and the way they do their standings, it's basically half a game. That Kansas City, that's the type of lead they have in the Patriots after Week 12 because... The Patriots own the head-to-head tiebreak about when they beat Kansas City. What was it, back in Week 5 or Week 6? They beat Kansas City. So the Patriots own that head-to-head tiebreak. So if the Patriots and the Chiefs finish the regular season with the same record, then the Patriots get the one seed. They do. Now, how would that be possible, the Patriots and the Chiefs, to finish the season with the same record? Well, Patriots would probably need to win out. They'll need to win out. Right, And if the Patriots, forget about Kansas City for a second, if the Patriots do win out, they will guarantee themselves the number two seed. And here's why. I know right now Pittsburgh's in the number two seed. And you could say, well, how would the Patriots jump over Pittsburgh? Well, here's why. If the Patriots win out, that means they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh in Week 15. And if the Patriots win out and have a 13-3 and record, and they own the head-to-head tiebreaker by beating Pittsburgh, the Patriots will jump up into the two seed. So if the Patriots win out, which is six games here moving forward, beginning with the Jets Sunday at 1, if they win out, they'll be 13-3, and they'll have beaten Pittsburgh, they'll own that tiebreaker, and they will at least get the two seed. If you win your final six games, if you're the Patriots, you guarantee yourself a first-round bye and at least the two seed. But it's also possible, now that Kansas City lost to the Rams on Monday night, it's also possible... That if the Chiefs lose one more and the Patriots win out, the Patriots own that head-to-head tiebreaker with Kansas City and the Patriots would get the one seed in the AFC. Well, then you got to go to the schedules. And it's like, first of all, if the Patriots, you know, just control what you can control. Is it possible that the Patriots, like if you had the Patriots, is it possible that if you handle your own business, you can win out? Is that possible? Well, let's look at the schedule. I just told you, at New York, Sunday 1. Then you're at home against Minnesota, 425 on Fox in Week 13. That's a winnable game. Minnesota is not a team. Put it this way. Minnesota is, they have the potential to be one of the top teams in the league, but there's one thing, in my opinion, that's holding them back. And that's the turnover factor with Kirk Cousins. A guy that is, in my opinion, likely to throw the big pick in the big spot. You saw it Sunday night against Chicago. Inside his own, what was it? Inside his own 10, throws the pick six in Chicago. I mean, that was a game at that point. Not after he throws that, but that's what Kirk Cousins does. Minnesota's a beatable team, especially when you're playing at home. You're playing Minnesota at home, you should win that. Then you go to Miami. In week 14, a Sunday at 1 o'clock on CBS, you should beat Miami. That's Look, that might not be an easy game based on what we know about going to Miami. And it's just, you know, it's a divisional game. It might not be an easy game. But you should find a way to win that one. Like, you can't look back at this season and think, 
hey, if, if Kansas City does lose another game here down the stretch, imagine looking at the schedule going, wow, the only game the Patriots lost in the last six weeks was in Miami. I mean, that would be tough to stomach, wouldn't it? Because that loss would be the difference between the one seed and maybe even, you know, not having a first-round bye. So, you got to win that game in Miami, and they should win it. Then you go to Pittsburgh, which probably is going to be the toughest game left on the schedule. Week 15, 425 on CBS. Really the exact same scenario as last year. Week 15 in Pittsburgh, 425, CBS. It's like the exact same thing. You're going to get Nance and Romo. Same thing. I mean, no Le'Veon Bell for Pittsburgh. He's ineligible the rest of the season. You know, Pittsburgh has, has shown, you know, they're vulnerable. And and you saw that with Jacksonville. Jacksonville should have beat them last week if their play calling offensively in the fourth quarter wasn't embarrassing. And I told you on Monday, Jacksonville's play calling in that fourth quarter offensively was a fireable offense against Pittsburgh. Jacksonville should have won that game. Pittsburgh should have lost. Right? So, don't tell me you can't beat Pittsburgh. You can. You can. So it's a winnable game. And then you close out the season in week 16 and 17, both of those games at home. Week 16 at home against Buffalo, 1 o'clock. Come on, you got to win that. Then week 17 at home against the Jets, you got to win that one too. So uh, is it realistic that the Patriots can run the table and win out? Absolutely realistic. So it is realistic that they finish 13-3. and And if they can do that, then you got to look at the Chiefs schedule. They got to buy this week. They're in Oakland. They should win that game. Chiefs should win that game. Then they're at home against Baltimore. Eh, I don't think that'll be easy, but because it's in Kansas City, I'll take the Chiefs to win. At home against the Chargers. Who knows what to expect from the Chargers, honestly. Like, who knows? They lost to Denver last week. Did I think that was going to happen based on how they've been playing? No way. But they did. They're unpredictable. Phillip Rivers is the most unpredictable player in the history of the NFL. And uh, I, I don't know where to go with that one. But I tell you what, I mean, the Chargers, you know, they're in a playoff race. So they're going to be in must-win mode on December 13th. It'll be in Kansas City, though, so I'll, I'll give the edge to Kansas City. Here's the game you got to circle. If you're a Patriots fan, if you think the Patriots can win out, and you're rooting for Kansas City to realistically lose one more game on their schedule, here's the game you should be circling. Week 16, December 23rd, December 23rd, in Seattle against the Seahawks team that right now, the Seahawks are 5-5, five and five, and they're just on the outside looking in at the playoff picture. Just on the outside looking in. Seattle, I think, when you get to Week 16, will be in must-win mode. And in Seattle against the Seahawks team that's in must-win mode, that's a tough place to play. That could be the one. That's not going to be an easy game for Kansas City. That's Patrick Mahomes thrown into the fire of a playoff-type atmosphere in one of the loudest buildings in the league in a hostile environment, one of the toughest places to play against a team that might be desperate to get into the playoffs. You know, you got jobs on the line. Pete Carroll's jobs on the line. I think Russell Wilson understands what's going on with his team. I mean... That's going to be a huge game for Seattle. Week 16 in Seattle. Kansas City goes there. Is that Sunday night on the 23rd? December 23rd? Um, Look, 
That could be the game Kansas City loses because they won't lose the final game of the season against Oakland at at home. It just won't happen. I mean, who knows? By that time, maybe the Patriots already lose and, and Pittsburgh loses again, and maybe Kansas City doesn't even play their starters in that game. I think the, the hope that you have as a Patriots fan is that they win out, which is possible, and that Kansas City loses to either the Chargers or Seattle, but the tougher game there is going to be in Seattle in Week 16 because they are going to get Seattle's best. They're going to get their Seattle's fans' loudest. That's playoff game. That's playoff game. For Kansas City, it could decide the one seed. It could guarantee them the one seed. For Seattle, it could get them into the playoffs or be the difference between getting into the playoffs and not getting into the playoffs. That's the one to watch out for. I'm just telling you today that for all the people that are so negative about the Patriots, whether it's nationally or even locally, big picture, the big picture negativity, take it easy. Take it easy. Patriots are 7-3. and three. They should whoop the Jets Sunday. Like, if they don't beat the Jets Sunday at 1, then I'll be with you. You know, maybe I'll be on the same page as Jason McIntyre for Fox Sports 1. Who is this guy? And why are we giving him publicity? This is what he wants. Do you see what this kid said? He said, the book is out on beating the Patriots. You put pressure on Tom Brady. And you might have Belichick thinking, what's next? Like... The book is out on beating the Patriots. You put pre- you have to put pressure on Brady? Like, did this guy just wake up and start watching football last week? Not just the Patriots. Did he just start watching football last week? Because basically what he's saying is, uh, the book's out on sports. Yeah, the book is out on sports. If you score more, here's the deal in sports. If you score more points in sports than the other team, well... If you're the other team, you might have to start thinking to yourself, how do we score more points than the other team next week or in the next game? You start thinking, what's next? <laughs> like That's basically what this dude said when he says that the book's out on the Patriots. All you got to do is put, Tom Bra- put, put pressure on Tom Brady. Put Tom Brady in a position where you got, you got bodies in his face, hands in his face, people taking him to the ground making him rush his throws, don't give him time in the pocket, blitz him, send pressure, however you want to say it. Put pressure on Brady, the book's out. This dude is basically saying the book is out on sports. If you score more points than the other team, you know, you'll win. And you'll have the other team wondering how they can score more points the next game. <laughs> like, it's just, it, 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 it really is an embarrassing comment that I, Fox Sports... Radio should be embarrassed to even pump that comment out. It's stupid. It is stupid. But that, you know, I think they know they're going to get people around these pots fired up, and that's why they do it. And it's, they're basically trolling. So it's trolling 101 for the people that want to, you know, be miserable in life and troll and um, just look stupid. You want to look stupid? Look at what this dude, Jason McIntyre, said. It's dumb. It's dumb. And the people who are taking the Patriots' current offensive struggles and using that to be this big-picture concern with the Patriots organization, whether it's the rest of this year or or next year, I mean, take it easy. Because all you know, for all you know, Patriots are going to win out. Kansas City will lose in Seattle in Week 16. And the Patriots will have the one seed in the AFC at that point. Then what is someone like Jason McIntyre talking about? 
What's he going into the playoffs going, hey, here's the deal. I know the book is out on Brady. Here's the blueprint. Put pressure on him. No shit, Sherlock. Say that about any quarterback in the NFL. I mean, if you wanted to get into, well, I saw something that they were doing that that helped them put pressure on Tom Brady, then maybe you got something there. Maybe I, I see that you're doing your homework. Right? Maybe I see that you're not just a lazy troll. But you got to show me some of that first before I say that. <clears throat> and you didn't. Everybody on the Patriots, please relax. Relax. They still get a shot at the one seed. If anything else, they get a shot at the two seed. Right? They do. Because, you know, is Pittsburgh going to win out? Who knows? But um, the one seed and the two seed is still possible for the Patriots here moving forward. So, with that said, I will move forward, and I will get to my picks for Week 12, beginning with my DraftKings Gotta Have Him Play for Sunday's afternoon slate. Sign up today at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C, to play for free with your first deposit. I told you last week, I gave you Zach Ertz. That was no good. He only got you three points. It was a terrible pick. I promise that my DraftKings got to have him play this week will get you a lot more than three points. And his name is Tom Brady. 6500 bucks. That's what it's going to cost you to get Tom Brady in your DraftKings lineup this Sunday. Now, he's the most expensive quarterback. I get it. So maybe you don't like to take the most expensive quarterback. But I will say, if you look down the list of quarterbacks and the prices that they have, it's only a $1,000 difference from someone like Nick Mullins from the San Francisco 49ers. So pay the extra thousand, get Tom Brady, put Tom Brady at 6,500 bucks in your DraftKings lineup because Brady is due. He's due. Brady is due to go off in this game against the Jets at MetLife Sunday at one. Brady has only thrown one touchdown pass in his last three games. And he hasn't put up 20 DFS points since week seven in Chicago. This is week 12. Hasn't put up 20 DraftKings points since week seven. It's a long time ago. Uh, He hasn't put up 30 DraftKings points since week five against Indy. It's even longer. The Patriots are coming off the bye. They've had extra time to rest and prepare for a terrible Jets team that's three and seven. And they lost their last game before the bye against Tennessee in week 10. The Patriots only scored 10 points. Tom Brady's due. The Patriots offense is due. Against the terrible Jets team. To me, this is an easy pick. Give me Tom Brady all day at 6,500. He is my DraftKings. Got to have him play Tom Brady for week 12. And again, go to DraftKings.com right now or download the DraftKings app and use promo code PIC, P-I-C, to play for free this weekend with your first deposit. And that brings me... To the moment you've been waiting for, Picks Picks for Week 12, so let's not waste any more time. Hit the music. Picks Picks for Week 12 as part of the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge is presented by BetOnline. Sign up today at betonline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet betonline.ag I went 2-3 and three last week in week 11 but I am 37-18 and 18 on the season, 37 wins 18 losses, that's a pretty good record I pick Moneyline, straight up winners those are the rules in the Podcast 1 Sportsnet Challenge you can check out these season long standings yourself 
at podcast1sportsnet.com, or you can chime in on the trash talk by using hashtag Sportsnet Challenge. Let's get to pick number one. I'm taking the Philadelphia Eagles over the New York Giants. This game is in Philadelphia Sunday at 1 o'clock. The Eagles are a six-point favorite in this game, and that probably says more about the Giants, who are 3-7. and seven. The Giants are no good this season, though the Giants have won two straight, but if you look at the two teams they've beaten in that two-game win streak, not very impressive. They beat San Francisco, and then they beat Tampa Bay. So how much stock do you want to put into that two-game win streak? Giants are 3-7. and seven. They're a six-point dog on the road in Philly. Now, the Eagles have lost two straight. And they're 4-6, and six. so as much as I knocked the Giants' record, you know, I can't really praise the Eagles' record because they're only 4-6, and six. but here's the deal. Even after getting whooped by the Saints last week, and the Eagles did get whooped by the Saints 48-7 in Week 11, even after getting whooped by New Orleans, Philadelphia goes into this game against the Giants at home knowing they still have a chance to win the division. The reason? Washington is in first place at 6-4 and four in the NFC East. But they just lost Alex Smith. Alex Smith out for the season with a devastating leg injury. And don't tell me that that's not going to hurt Washington. It is. And I know that people don't want to give Alex Smith credit in this league, but I will. Because of Alex Smith and because he didn't turn the ball over, really, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot in his career at all, I picked Washington to win this division before the season began. I stuck to it in recent weeks. But now that he's out, you, you give it to Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy will be their new starting quarterback. I don't buy into Colt McCoy. I don't buy into Washington anymore. I think this is anybody's division. The popular pick will be the Cowboys. They're 5-5, five and five, and people will just they'll want to jump on the Dallas bandwagon. I think if you're the Eagles, you have to look at this thing. Forget about the Cowboys. Look at Washington and say, hey, if we want a chance to stay in this divisional race we'll have a chance to do it but we got to beat the Giants in our own building and because of that I'm going with my gut in this one I think the Eagles will bounce back from two straight losses I think they will bounce back from being whooped by the Saints I think they will see an opportunity to still win this division and I think they'll beat a Giants team that they should beat considering that this game will be in Philadelphia Sunday at one give me the Eagles over the Giants in Philly and the Eagles will snap a two-game losing skid and stay alive in the NFC East race. Then I'm taking the Carolina Panthers over the Seattle Seahawks. This game is in Carolina Sunday at 1 o'clock. The Panthers are a three-and-a-half point favorite mainly because they're at home in Carolina. The Panthers are 6-4. and four. They've lost two straight. I picked Carolina last week to beat Detroit in Detroit. And you know what? They should have at least taken that game to overtime. They decided to go for a two-point conversion in the final two minutes, and they didn't get it. Now, Cam Newton should have hit his guy. He was wide open in the end zone. He overthrew him. It was a bad throw. But before you get to that throw, you have to make the decision whether to go for two and go for the win late in the game on the road or just kick the extra point, tie it, and go to overtime. That's what they should have done. They should have kicked the extra point. This isn't me in hindsight. I was saying it at the time as somebody who picked Carolina to win the game. So uh, I thought it was a bad coaching decision. I thought Carolina should have given themselves a shot to win in overtime. They didn't do it. They lost. They've lost two straight. They're 6-4. And And now they host a 5-5 Seahawks team Sunday at 1. And the Seahawks are coming off a huge win over the Green Bay Packers on Thursday Night Football. This is a playoff game. Because you look at that top tiebreaker. It's head-to-head. 
Carolina, Seattle. They are both going to be battling for a wild card spot. There's only two wild card spots. Look, Carolina's not winning their division. New Orleans is winning that division. Seattle, they're not winning their division. The Rams are winning that division. So, these two teams are going to be battling for a wild card spot, and that head-to-head tiebreaker could be huge. I'm taking Carolina in this game because I just, I think they're a solid team. I believe they'll make the playoffs. That's not to say Seattle won't make the playoffs too. I just think that because this is in Carolina, I'm leaning towards the Panthers. Give me the Panthers to win this game over the Seahawks. Carolina, Sunday at 1. Then my next pick, the L.A. Chargers over the Arizona Cardinals. This game is in L.A. Sunday at 4.05. The Chargers are a 13-point favorite. The Chargers, perhaps what they've been doing was, what they were doing was too good to be true. Because they won six straight. And it looked like they were going to keep up with Kansas City in the AFC West. And then they lost to the Denver Broncos at home in L.A. last week. What are you doing? Unbelievable, right? Well, no. It's kind of believable if you've been following Phillip Rivers and his career and how unpredictable they can be in some of the biggest moments where you think, wow, this is a lock. They're going to win this game. And maybe you could say this about their game against Arizona at home Sunday at 4.05. This is a lock. They're going to win this game. I do think they're going to win this game. They're a 13-point favorite. The Cardinals are brutal. The Cardinals are 2-8. The Cardinals are in a race for the number one overall pick in the 2019 draft. That's basically what this is. So um, I don't think the Chargers are going to lose to a team like that. I do think Denver's better than Arizona. So uh, I'm going to stop talking about that game last week, and we'll just look at the Cardinals this week. Chargers should win at home and bounce back. Give me L.A. over Arizona. Sunday at 4.05. Then I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Denver Broncos that I just mentioned. Pittsburgh, a three-point favorite on the road in Denver. Sunday at 4.25. And if it wasn't for some awful offensive play calling by the Jacksonville Jaguars in the fourth quarter of their game against Pittsburgh last week, the Steelers would not be on a six-game win streak. Instead, Jacksonville basically hands Pittsburgh that game last week, and it hurt me because I picked Jacksonville to win. But... Pittsburgh, they win that game, they get handed the game, and now they're on a six-game win streak. Um, you look at the Steelers, they're 7-2-1. and one. They hold the number two seed in the AFC. They're a three-point favorite. I'm going to take them to win seven straight, mainly because the Broncos are four and six, and they've lost six of their last eight games. The Broncos are only two and three at home. Again, this game's in Denver. They're two and three at home, but a stat you have to keep an eye out for, picking this one is that the Steelers have yet to lose on the road this season. They're 4-0-1 when playing away from Heinz Field. So, uh, Pittsburgh, I think they could lose a game or two down the stretch. I think they could lose to the Patriots in Pittsburgh in Week 15, maybe even another game. But while I do think they'll lose a game or two down the stretch, I don't think this will be one of them. It's in Denver. It's a tough place to play, but Pittsburgh should find a way to squeeze out a win somehow. I don't know if you want to stay away from the points, whatever. I'm just taking Pittsburgh to go into Denver and find a way to come out with a W. Give me the Steelers to beat the Broncos Sunday at 425. And then my lock of the week. I'm taking the Patriots. Nine and a half point favorite. This is easy. Lock. There is no way the Patriots lose this game. Patriots will win this game. They will beat the Jets by at least two touchdowns. At least two touchdowns. So I'll take a minus nine and a half. I mean, I'll take them to win the game because of the podcast one Sportsnet Challenge. But you're asking me, what should I do with the spread? 
Take the Patriots minus nine and a half. They're going to whoop the Jets. The Patriots are seven and three. The Jets are three and seven. Both teams are coming off a bye. But the Jets have lost four straight. Okay, the Patriots, they lost the last game they played before the bye in week 10. It was awful in Tennessee. They only scored 10 points. But that was Tennessee's Super Bowl. You have to understand that. I just don't think there is any way the Patriots lose this game. They're going to bounce back. Will they have Gronk? Let's say they don't. Let's just make this pick as if the Patriots won't have Gronk. I'll still pick the Patriots to win by two touchdowns. They'll be motivated, extra time to prepare, and the Jets are a bad team. Patriots could win out, as I told you earlier in the show. They could win six straight, and if if they do that and Kansas City loses another game, let's say Kansas City loses in Seattle week 16, Patriots will be the one seed in the AFC. So I think the Patriots need to understand what they can still do. They could still get a first round bye, and they could still get a one seed, but you gotta handle your own business and you gotta beat the Jets. And they know that and they will. The Patriots over the Jets. That is my lock of the week. I'm taking New England at MetLife Sunday at one. So my picks for week 12 in the NFL, I'm going with Philadelphia, Carolina, Los Angeles, the Chargers, Pittsburgh Steelers, and my lock of the week, New England, the Patriots over the Jets. Picks, picks presented by Bet Online as part of the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge. Sign up today at betonline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, betonline.ag. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your weekend. I'll be back on Monday to react to anything that happens in Week 12 in the NFL and anything else that happens in the world of sports. Get this show whenever you want at Podcast One. Also on iTunes, Spotify, on my website, dannypicard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. I'm out again. Happy Thanksgiving. Talk to you on Monday. Monday.